We are going to complete a series that we have been in for 15 weeks. I know some of you are thinking, is it is that all? But uh, <laughs> I know how it is. I know how it is. But uh, we're, we're, we're going to complete our God is good far better than you think series. But here's the deal. We're not going to quit talking about how good God is. All right. Uh, based on what I understand, we're going to spend most of eternity doing that and rehearsing that. And so this morning we're going to, we're going to talk about representing God or representing God. That's, that's literally what the word means. It means to represent, to present over and over and over. And so we're going to, we're going to uh, look at how we represent or represent God. And, and the question I want to ask this morning is, are you a mirror or a mud hole? Most of us, most of us this morning spend a few minutes or maybe a little longer in front of a mirror. Amen? How many of you looked in a mirror this morning? Okay. If I would have been everybody, I would have raised my hand just because I didn't want anybody to think I didn't. Okay. Uh, Listen, the average bathroom mirror reflects exactly the exact image that stands in front of it. You do realize that, don't you? The exact image. Now, I know most of you think that your mirror purposely adds a few pounds. It makes you look like you're a little shorter than you really are. Or or it, it, it's like when you look in the mirror, the, the lights go on. You can see all those little gray hairs. Or maybe you struggle with the wrinkles. And, and when you look in your mirror, it deepens them and it magnifies them. And you just... You don't really like what you see. And what happens most of the time is we tell ourselves that we don't really have to deal with those things. Hey, it's not really that bad. But you know what? That mirror replicates that which is represented in it. It just reflects the image that stands before it. A mirror is designed... To do that, it, it's designed to to replicate that, and that mirror is only doing what it was created to do. Now, most of us, if if we're honest here, have at some point in our life seen our reflection in a mud hole as well, hadn't you? Okay, mud holes are not good mirrors. Amen. Okay, the reflection you see in a mud hole is a flawed representation, a, a flawed representing. Uh, mud holes uh, were made to hold water, but what happens in a mud hole when you look in it and you get your reflection from it, there's, there's a lot of things at play there that, that, that reflect back at you. That, the, that reflection, that, that image that you see can be affected by the depth of the water, the concentration of the dirt in the water, or, or the wind. That all reflects that, reflect, I mean, that, all, that wind all affects it affects that re- uh, reflecting surface. I'm going to have to remember never to put effect and reflect together in the same sentence, okay? Sounded good when I wrote it, but it doesn't communicate. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is the image you see as you stare into that mud hole carries blemishes, and it portrays distortions that in reality are not actually there. So let's be honest. N- none of us are going to get ready by looking in a mud hole, are we? We're going to avoid that as much as we can. For the, for the 
past 15 weeks, we, we've been exploring the goodness of God. And goodness, and I want you to remember this, is not something God does. Goodness is who God is. Goodness is his nature. And therefore, everything that God does is good. And Jesus, you know, he, he put it this way. He, he was approached by a young man and who called him good teacher. And Jesus said this, no one is good except God alone. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus was not saying he wasn't good. All right? He was trying to get that young man to realize that only God's good. Now, who is Jesus? He's God. Okay? God is who defines good. God is what gives good meaning. He, 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 goodness, uh, God defines goodness, in other words, and goodness defines God. Now, every believer in this building this morning is a reflection of of who God is. We represent God. We represent God everywhere we go. That's our job. We reflect Him. We reflect Him in our actions. We reflect Him in our attitudes. We reflect Him in our words. We talked about this early on in our study. We reflect Him in our theology. Theology is nothing more than what we believe about God. And what we believe about God, we live out. So our inner theology becomes a living theology. And if we, don't, if we don't reflect him properly, guess what happens? People get a different picture of who God really is. Every one of us is either a mirror or a mud hole when it comes to representing God, when it comes to reflecting God. We represent through our beliefs, we represent through our interactions with others, and we represent exactly how good we think God is or how not so good we think God is. Too often the image reflecting, reflected in the, in the teaching and the preaching and the day-to-day living of, of the people of God is, is, is different than the God of the Bible. Most often what's reflected is of an angry Harsh, moody, judgment-filled, quick-tempered, center-stomping, swaying on the edge of the abyss deity. And that's not the God of Scripture. That's, that's not the God uh, that, that we learn about. But, what, but what, what, what's happened is we've come to hear that so often that that image, that reflection, that representation of God it's what most Christians mirror. And what happens is we mirror what we believe. It's what we've been taught. Therefore, it must be true. Amen? Don't say amen. <laughs> okay? Just because you've been taught it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. There's two problems with that line of thinking. The first one is that's not the image that the Scripture gives witness to. And that's not the image that Jesus revealed and reflected. Therefore, something is terribly wrong. But it's not with God. God's good. Amen? Okay. The problem is with who? It's us. Instead of being mirrors that truly reflect or truly represent the goodness of God, what happens is we've become like mud holes of various sizes and shapes and depths. And we, we're reflecting a, a flawed, a distorted, a messed up image of God. And, and here's what I want you to understand. To the rich, anything else this morning, listen to this. I'm going to repeat it a couple of times. But a messed up image of the original, which is used as a pattern over time, will produce unrecognizable images of the original. Let me say that again. 
messed up images of the original, which are used as patterns over time, will produce unrecognizable images of the original. Let me, let me give you an illustration. Several years ago, I, this was when we, I think we were probably still in the school. I, I was, I was, uh, I, I did a lot of, I still do a lot of things, but I was the copy man, okay, because we had no copy machine. And so I would save up copies and I would go to Kinko. And I was making copies one day and I decided, man, it would just be easy if I take, I'll, I'll put the original in, take the original out, I'll put a copy in, put the copy out. So I, I made a copy of the original. Then each time a copy came out, I would put it back through the machine until eventually I didn't realize this. There was no image on the paper. What happens is if you continue to use the copy of a copy, you will get to the place where there is no copy. In other words, you've run it through the machine. It's done everything the machine's supposed to do. There's just nothing there. That's what I'm saying. We are not supposed to be copies of anyone but Jesus. Okay? Not pastor so-and-so, not this teacher, not that teacher, not, not this person, not that. We can learn from people, but the person we are called to represent is Jesus. Because if I become a carbon copy of you, and the next person becomes a carbon copy of me, and the next person becomes a copy, carbon copy of whomever, and so on and so on and so on, pretty soon we don't look like Jesus anymore. That's just how it works. So we have constantly got to assess where we are and make sure that we're mirrors, that we're mirroring Jesus. I I used to read this particular phrase, uh, and it would bother me. I I, I felt like the Apostle Paul was a little bit, I'm looking for a word here. I don't want to have to get to heaven and... Explain why I use this one, okay? <laughs> but he just seemed a little, you know. What's the word? Uppity. <laughs> That's a, that, snooty. Uppity. He he was he borderline to me of being just a little bit proud. Now let me let me give you this. He he would say this. He says it two or three times in the New Testament. I've come to realize he's not. And he wasn't. But he he would say, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Now that takes a lot of whatever to say. But what he was saying is, I am going to be just like Jesus. So when you look at me, I don't want you to see me. I want you to see Jesus. That's the idea. We are to represent Jesus. We are to be representing Jesus over and over and over. And we're either a mirror, which, which represents what is in it, or we're a mud hole, which represents, but it's flawed. It's messed up. And what happens is people seem, for some reason, to latch on to the flaws to reproduce. How many of you, when you were raising your children, ever said something that you wished you hadn't said in their presence. All of us have. 
or done something that you wished you hadn't done in their presence. They never replicate that in the privacy of your home when you're watching TV. They wait until you get into a crowd and then... And everything goes silent. That's exactly what, as people, we do. We find those flawed things or those messed up things and we grab hold on them. You know what? God does have wrath. All right? The Bible's very clear about that. But God's not filled with wrath right now. He's not angry. You say, Nelson, how do you know that? Because Scripture says that Jesus paid for the wrath of God on the cross. God poured out his wrath on Jesus so that he would not have to pour it out on us. There will come a day when God will pour out his wrath again. But he will pour it out on the ungodly. And I've, I've, I taught on this I don't know how many weeks ago, but ungodly doesn't just mean sinners. It means people who refuse to bend their knee, bow their head, and acknowledge that he's God and says, God, we know what you say. We're not doing it. Now, that's not everybody that's lost. That's a lot of people that's lost, but that's not everybody. Okay? And so God's going to pour out his wrath, but he is not a seething God who's angry all the time. He's a good God. He's a loving God. And so what happens is we have to make sure we don't create a God in our own image that doesn't exist. And then what happens when we do that is we decimate the things that are so original, that, that are so appealing in the original. In other words, the very thing that God uses to draw people to himself, we obliterate because we don't reflect him. So again, the question this morning is, are you a mirror or a mud hole? When it comes to God, what kind of reflection is it that's playing on the screen of your life? What, what, what you believe and what you think or what you say and what you do. Does your reflection of God, does the, does the image that's bouncing off of you and on to others truly reflect the goodness of who God is? Or does it reflect something else? We've spent 15 weeks in, 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 in studying the goodness of God. And, and this series that we've done, it's not about information, okay? If, if that's all you got out of it, you've wasted 15 weeks. This series was about transformation. Because when I realize the truth about God, it ought to reframe everything else that I know and believe about God. If I understand he's good, everything else that he does flows out of that. It should clear away those smudges. Anybody ever, I mean, part of us shouldn't be smudging makeup, but part of us should, okay? Any of you you ladies ever smudged your makeup and not know it? Okay? When we understand God's good, it kind of clears those smudges away, not your makeup, but... Our image of God. It, it repairs the cracks. It windexes the lies and the accusations. And it, it kind of reconditions our mirrors. Have you ever seen an old mirror that had lost uh, some of the, 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 I don't know what it's called, but the reflection, uh, some of the uh, silver off the back of it? Well, you know, every once in a while God reconditions us. 
We lose our silver. And he puts us in tip-top shape so that we can reflect who he is. And when we give a true reflection of the goodness of God, listen to me, you will have to beat people off of you. They will smother you to death. We'll, we'll have to beat them off this church. They, they, they will be trying to get in the building. When we constantly reflect the goodness of God, this place won't hold the people. Why? Because the crowds swarm to Jesus. You say, I don't see them swarming. Well, we may not look as nearly like Jesus as we think we do. See, this is what Scripture says about Jesus. In Colossians 1.15, it says that Jesus is the image. And that word there means a copy of the original. And literally what it means is an exact representation that shares the reality of the original. In a lot of words, in a simple word, this is what it means. That Jesus is, is God in living color. He, he's not a copy. He is God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the invisible God made visible. So if we accurately represent Jesus, people will come. They'll come not to us, though. They'll come to Jesus. Because He's the only one and only true God who is goodness personified. But they will see Him in us. They will see Him working through us, and they'll see him by us, what we do. So how does this take place? What what do I need to do to see this happen in my own life first? And that's typically where it happens, okay? If it doesn't happen in my life, it probably won't happen in anybody else's life. Well, I want to share three simple things on how we can imitate Jesus and how we can be a mirror image that enables uh, us to fully glorify Jesus. Just three things. This is not an exhaustive list by any means. And if you, But I will say this. If you begin to do these three things consistently, the goodness of God will begin to happen naturally in your life. It, it, in other words, it will naturally, or if you want to call it supernatural, it will begin to ooze out of you. Okay? The first way is to seek encounters with God. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, if you're a believer this morning, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Is that not what the Bible teaches? Okay. So we have the Holy Spirit living in us. In God's goodness, He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us and to enable us to live out the Christ life, to live like Jesus and to lead others to Jesus. We were originally created, Adam and Eve were originally created to do that. They were to be, they were to be uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good, they were to escort people into the presence of God in a sense because they had access. When they failed, they lost that access. But when Jesus came, he restored that access. Jesus restored that ability, and the Holy Spirit empowers that ability. So when people come to us, we ought to be able to give them an encounter with Jesus. They ought to see in us such a difference. They ought to see such such an experience going on. They ought to see us manifesting Jesus in such a way that they meet Jesus right there. You say, well, I don't know if that will ever happen. Well, try it. 
just make, just tell the Lord in the morning when you get up, Lord, I want people to see Jesus in me. I don't want them just to see Jesus. I want them to have a head-on collision with him. I'll, I'll do exactly what you tell me. I'll say exactly what you tell me. I'll pray exactly what you tell me. But I want them to meet you. Listen, Jesus is the only person that can change another person. We can't change anybody. Heck, we can't even change ourselves, right? Any of y'all struggle with yourself? I don't understand how Jesus likes me, <laughs> okay? I'm just being honest, okay? But he loves us. He loves me. He loves you. Jesus is the only one that can change another person. But that's why you and I are here. We're to steward those moments, those God encounters. We, we carry, and this is a, a sort of a negative sounding way, but we carry the infectious love of Jesus within us. And our job is to infect as many people as we can. Now, you talk to some lost people, they'll tell you that's just exactly what it seems like. You're trying to infect me with something, okay? That's because we want to beat them over the head and condemn them and that kind of stuff. No, our job is just to move among them. And you know what? Some of, some of the diseases that we fight against, for instance, today in, in our country, uh, there are parents that are struggling uh, because they've been given uh, information on both sides of the, of, the, of, the, of the line that they can't decide whether or not they want to give their kids measles vaccinations. Listen, I had the measles. All right, the little, the little, uh, what were they? Three-day measles and the big red German measles. All right, I had the mumps. I had all of those. I didn't have whooping cough, okay, because I had a, and I didn't have whatever the other big disease. But I, I'm not here to hammer parents or anything. What I'm saying is, is all of a sudden though we've had outbreaks. And nobody walks through and says, hey, I've got the measles, touch me. No, they've got the measles virus, and they just, it infects as they walk. See, Jesus says, let, the, my, let my love infect you so much that it infects everybody around you. Now, that's a negative way of trying to say a very good way. But we ought to give people encounters with God. But for us to give people that, we have to seek them, Okay? It's not just it's not enough to just read about the Bible. It's not enough to, to memorize verses. Man, I have to let what's in the Bible begin to work its way out of me. That's why we're here. That's why God has left us here to steward those God encounters between God's goodness and other people. We're, we're kind of the mediators in a sense. He wants to work through His body. We call what I'm talking about a lot of different, by a lot of different names. It, it might be the anointing. It might be, it might be service. It might be ministry. It might be prayer. It might be healing. It might be deliverance. It might be just helping somebody. It might be using one of your spiritual gifts. But for that to happen, this feeling of the Spirit that every one of us is supposed to continually being, be being filled with has to overflow. Listen, overflow is not measured by what flows in me. 
It's what flows out of me. If there's nothing flowing out of me, it's likely that there's nothing flowing in me. Overflow is the only way you and I can know for certain that we're full. Okay. That's hard. <laughs> that, that, that convicts me, even as I said it. Okay? We have to be overflowing. You say, well, every once in a while, all the time. You never know who you're going to meet that needs Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39, He said, He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he, as he spoke of this, this the next verse, the next, the next phrase says, but in this he spoke, of, uh, he spoke of the Spirit. Jesus was talking about the Spirit that would come. Now, he has come. Okay, so we're living in, in, the, in, the, in the place where he has come. You and I were not made to be a cistern. We, we were not made to be uh, buckets that sit, sit out and catch rainwater. We were, we were made to be conduits. There's a difference between a conduit and a cistern. A cistern holds water. Water goes in, but water doesn't flow out. A conduit is just a pipe, okay, that carries the water. Where rivers flow in the natural, life springs up. How many of you have ever been to Israel? Some of you? You know this to be true. If you drive down by the, by the Jordan River, uh, down, I'm, I'm trying to think, toward, as you're heading toward uh, uh, the Dead Sea, where the, on the side of the road where the Jordan River is, it's green and lush. On the other side of the road, 30 feet, it's desert. You say, well, why is that? Because they irrigate out of the Jordan River. The land is fruit. I mean, the land is the, the soil is rich. Without water, it doesn't produce. This side of the road gets no water. All that grows out there is rocks and creatures you don't want to talk to or meet. Okay, it, but I mean, it's, it's just stark. You, you can pull to this side of the road and get in the grass and, and the bushes, and you swerve on this side of the road and get in rocks. It, it's just it's that way. And what happens is where, where that river flows, life springs up, and, and that life is nourished. The same is true concerning the Holy Spirit, folks. We were created and recreated by Jesus to deliver the life of Jesus. By bringing others into an encounter with God and His goodness. God doesn't call us to, to do things that's, that we, we necessarily can't do. All we have to do is represent His goodness. To be mirrors of His goodness. He'll do the rest. See, He doesn't call us to heal on our, in our own strength. He doesn't call us to deliver in our own strength. If we will just represent the goodness of God, He will do those things through us. Too many Christians think they've been given a mandate to beat people into heaven, okay? To pound them into submission with their biblical arguments. Listen, you'll never win anybody to Christ arguing with them, all right? You're not going to debate them into the kingdom. But you can love them, man. You can love them. And there's nothing wrong with sharing truth. But Jesus 
didn't argue. He just shared the truth and moved on. Sometimes we just have to share the truth. We were given the authority of Jesus, and we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the goodness of God in a world filled with death, despair, and discouragement. Matt, we have the magic bullet. We really do. So don't sit around. Don't wait. Don't, get up, don't, don't give up. Get out there and go after it. And give Jesus away by stepping out in faith. You say, well, I'm not sure God will support me. Well, God will, okay? He will. If you'll step out, he'll support you because he has given you the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so we, we owe the world an encounter with God. We really do. Secondly, though, show others an example of God's goodness. We are called to be disciples. And a true disciple became a carbon copy of his or her teacher. Okay? They, they, they walked with, in Jesus' day, they would walk with the teacher. They would live with the teacher. Wherever the teacher went, they went. They were learning. They weren't just hearing his words. They were watching his actions. They were watching how he interacted or she interacted with people. And so our job is to walk with Jesus on a daily basis because everybody needs an example. Everybody needs a mentor. I can't be a mentor if I have never had a mentor. Okay, I can't be a teacher if I've never been taught. And so Jesus gives us what it looks like to be a mentor. And if we sit at his feet and he mentors us, then that qualifies us, he qualifies us then to mentor to others, to reflect him. But there's, the, the, this is more than just doing something, okay? What it is is being something. Now, I grew up in the church and it was do, 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 do it, do it, do it, do, do, do. Till you're just worn out. And it, I was an adult before I realized that I have to be something before I can do something. I will never do myself into being, but I can be myself into doing. I hope you wrote that down and you got that because I'm not going to try to say it again. But we are called to be. And by that I mean who Jesus made us, our identity. We are called to be something, not do something. Being who God made you and me to be and all that God made us to be. That's all He's asking us to do is to be who He made us to be and all that He made us to be. Every one of us is unique. Every one of us. There's not one of us that are, uh, are like anybody else in the world. And the most in, unique thing that you can do if you know Christ is to use what He has planted in you. The abilities He's given you to dream what I would call God-sized dreams and then fulfill those dreams through a, a relationship with God. God puts dreams in every one of us. God has put passion in every one of us in certain areas and if you don't do it nobody else will but he's he's created and he's crafted you in a very unique way and listen you have his permission to be who you are 
You don't have to be like anybody else. I, I, I probably told this story, but I remember hearing this story in one of my preaching classes, uh, and, and this, is a, this is a true story. There was a, a group of, of pastors, that, young guys, that were going through preaching class, and all of them preached with their hand behind their ear. And the, 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 the homiletics professor knew exactly what section of Texas they came from. And he would, he would have a little fun with them every time he got some of the guys. Now, they were good preachers, but he would say, why, why do you cup your hand behind your ear? And they would say, well, brother so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, that's how he taught us to preach. And he says, well, reckon why pastor so-and-so did that? Well, we don't know, but we want to be like pastor so-and-so. Well, did you know pastor so-and-so couldn't hear? And the only way he could hear himself and know how loud he was was to cup his hand behind his ear. <laughs> I use that illustration to say, look, we need to be like Jesus. Just like you. I don't have to be like anybody else. I used to think I had to be like this pastor or that pastor. And you know what? I don't have to be like any of them. He called them to do their thing. He called me to do my thing. He's called each of you to do your thing. And if you will just do your thing, the thing that he has put inside of you, you will see results. And you will see big results. You have God-given supernatural giftings that are unique to you, and they are a gift from the Holy Spirit. And he gave you those gifts so that you could show in tangible ways who God is and how good God is. You see, every one of us are equipped. It's not something we have to learn to do. It's just something we need to do. We have talents and we have experiences and we have skills that God has been investing in us for years. And he's used them to shape and to sharpen us, not so that we'll sit down and make excuses, but so that we'll step out and we'll accomplish all that he's called us to do. Listen, he created us for this. We, we, we have a destiny. Those things you dream about doing that maybe you've said, hey, you know what, I'm too old. You might just have to do them a different way. But those dreams, the essence of those dreams, are, are your purpose for being here. You were made for more. I will say that again, more. And when you think you've got all you were made for, there's still more and more and more. There's more than you and I can conceive. We are here to reflect the goodness of God and the amount of goodness He has for you by yourself is unimaginable. Much less what He has for everybody else through you. You can't give it away. If you work... Eight hours a day, as hard as you can, or maybe ten hours a day, as hard as you can. You can never give away everything God wants to give you. But that's our job, is to give it away. So get rid of what I I would call a poverty mindset that says, I can't. You can. You can. You can in Jesus' name. There, there are times, we sang, we sang this song a while ago, uh, 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 and, and, and talking about, I raise my hallelujah. 
You know, sometimes you just need to get by yourself and start singing louder than the issues you're standing in. Louder than the troubles that are trying to overflow you. Louder than the naysayers and those people that say, hey, you'll never accomplish anything. You'll never be anything. Sometimes you just need to drown them out with hallelujahs. Y'all know what hallelujah means, don't you? Praise the Lord. That's how it, Hallel is praise. El or Jah at the end. Yah is, is Jehovah. It's praise the Lord. What's interesting about that word is it's the same in every language. It's, it's a unique word. And sometimes we just need to raise hallelujah and drown out the voices of those that say we can't. Until all I can hear is the voice who says, you can. You can. He created us, folks, to do it. He called us to do it. He saved us to do it. He filled us with the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. You can do it in Jesus' name. Be a living example of God's goodness at all times. Reflect Him like a mirror in everything that you do. So we we need to seek an encounter with God. We need to show others uh, an example of God's goodness. But here's here's the third one. Share the good news. Just, just share the goodness. That simple. You say, well, what, what, what am I supposed to share? Share how good God is. If goodness is the character of God, if that's who He is, then the, the emphasis of what we should be sharing is good news, right? If, he's, if He is good, then news about Him is good, right? Now, this is not, listen, this is not rocket scientists, all right? I mean, I'm, I'm just a normal I'm not a rocket scientist. It's just simple, simple. I'm not trying to push you into a corner. I'm not trying to trap you with no way out. If God is good, then news about Him is good news. And gospel is good news. Take off all those lies that you've believed about yourself and start living out your true identity in God. Start being The testimony of who Jesus is and and what Jesus did is called the gospel. It's the good news. It it was life. Listen, when Jesus began to share, it was life to those people that were dying. It it was sight to those people who who were blind. It was hearing for those people that were deaf. It It was healing to those that were sick. It was freedom to those in bondage. It was total forgiveness for those that were mired up in sin. That's good news. What, you don't realize that the news you have that God has given you individually and applied it to your life is news somebody else desperately needs right now. They're just waiting and looking for someone to open their mouth and share it with them. Yeah, but, but Pastor, I don't, I don't know all the verses. You may not need any verses. And if you do, the Holy Spirit will probably remind you what you need to say. We worry too much about what we're going to say and just instead of just saying what we know. All of us have a story. Amen? Everybody's got a story. You know where you were and you know where you are and you know how you got there. There are lots of people that don't know where they are. Okay? They don't. They're lost. They don't have a clue where they're going. All of a sudden, you're like a flashlight in the dark. You've been there. But you're not there anymore. 
And the future doesn't look nearly as scary as it used to because you're not by yourself. Some people just need to know that. They just need a hug or a pat on their hand and, and a sentence or two. Look, you don't have to pray the sinner's prayer with them right then. If they want to, fine. But some people just need the gospel. And Jesus will get somebody there if, 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 if he needs to, to do the rest. But here's what I will say to you. When you start to do that and you start to share the goodness of God with people, they'll come unraveled. Okay? Because it's like water in a parched throat. It's like food in a hungry belly. And they'll start to ask you questions. And you'll start to give them answers. And the next thing you know, you'll hear it come out of your mouth. Would you like to ask Jesus to come into your life? And you won't even be able to believe. I can't believe I'm saying that. What do I do now, God? And, and, and here's the most amazing thing. That person will say, yes, I would. I can't, I will, I can't, I can't describe the, moment, the first time I did that. I, I was working with a guy. We were, we were in the truck. We were driving right down through Malfunction Junction. I was driving, and I, he was a, a big black guy. I'd worked with him for several years, and, and I was just sharing uh, my, my, what God had done in my life, and I was sharing with him what little bit about Jesus I knew, and I just got to the point where it was time to say, hey, would, would you like to ask Jesus to come in your life? And so I did. Now, i got to be straight up with you. I didn't expect anything, Okay. Because I felt like I had stumbled and bumbled and, and, and trashed the whole story. And he goes, yes, I would. I didn't even know what to say. It got just deadly quiet in that truck for the next few minutes. And I said, well, 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 well. Hey, why don't we pray? He said, well, you're not going to close your eyes, are you? I said, no, I'm going to keep my eyes open, all right? You, you can close your eyes. God's got a sense of humor, by the way. And, and I remember just leading him in a prayer. And him, him praying to ask Jesus into his life. I won't ever forget that day. Okay? Now, there have been others after that. And there have been some that said, you know what? No, I, I don't want to. But I appreciate you sharing that with me. Don't be afraid to share the good news. Don't be afraid to ask that person if they'd like to have Jesus in their life. Don't be afraid because when you open your mouth, God speaks. Okay, they're not rejecting you. If they reject, they're rejecting him. And you know what? He loves them so much, he's going to let them hear it again, probably. It takes an average of 15 times for a person to hear the gospel before they actually accept it. That's the average. Okay? My prayer for you is to be the first time, and you just reap a harvest of the first-timers. Okay? But share the good news. Listen, the good news is not the garbage news our culture feeds on. It's, it's not a chicken in every pot. Listen, there's never going to be a political party that can give us everything we need free. If you're under that impression, somebody's got to pay for it. And the person who has to pay for it is we. Okay, so there's not going to be a chicken in every pot. It's just not, it's not going to be free this and free that. There's nothing that's free except the grace of God. 
Okay, that's, that's it. Jesus paid for it. Somebody had to pay for it, and Jesus did. It, 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 listen, the garbage uh, that, that you can do whatever makes you feel good, and there's no right or wrong, it's okay as long as it's your truth. I, I hear this, my skin crawls. Every time I hear somebody in the media or somebody in the entertainment uh, areas of, 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 of our, of our uh, culture talk about my truth. There is no my truth. All truth is God's. If it's not true, it's not God's. And if it's true, it, 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 it came from God. So I, you and I don't have a truth unless it matches up with God's truth. That's not the good news. Though that news is designed to destroy. But you know what? There's, there's equally as of offensive and as obnoxious. And that's the Bible-thumping obnoxious Christians who gripe and complain about everything or who stand out with protest signs and, and with, that read turn or burn and God hates gays and all other, a lot of other things. Uh, they've, they've locked the doors and they've, they've, they've come into their little camp compounds and, and they're, they're in that survival mode. And, and, and too often we call those places churches. That, that's not what the church is, folks. There's two opposite ditches. Somewhere in the middle of the road is where we're supposed to be. That's where God's at. That's where the truth's at. People don't need endless rules and regulations. They don't need mountains of morality codes. They just need the good news of Jesus Christ. They just need the goodness of God put on display for them. What we don't realize is it's the demonstration of God's goodness and His love shared and shown through the gospel that it allows the Holy Spirit to convict and to convert. The Holy Spirit uses that. When you and I just live out God's goodness, He uses that to bring conviction in people's lives. And sometimes He uses it to bring conversion in their lives. I'm going to give you a, a, what I, I think is a mind-blowing fact that will revolutionize the way you share the good news. You and I don't bring people to repentance. We don't bring them to repentance. It's not on our back. There's no pressure. Okay? I want you to hear what Paul says. I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 2. Verse 4, he says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? In other words, you Roman church members, y'all are in this squabble with each other over whose way is the best, the Gentile way or the, or the, wrong, or the, uh, the, the Jewish way. Listen, you don't even know the truth. You've taken lightly what is the most important thing. And then he says this, not knowing that the kindness, that word could be translated goodness, the goodness or the kindness of God is what leads you to repentance. It's not hellfire and brimstone sermons that bring people to repentance that changes the way they think. It's the goodness of God. It's not yelling and screaming that brings people to repentance. It's not having this list of do's and do's and do's and this list of don'ts and don'ts and don'ts that bring people to repentance. That doesn't change the way they think. It's the good news of God. 
It's His goodness. They can't believe it. They can't believe anybody is this good. Have you ever met somebody that just, they were just so good you couldn't believe they were real? I had a a Bible professor at Southeastern Bible College that I made it my mission after I met him. And I'm not going to say his name because some of you will know him. But I made it my mission just to see if he was really as good as as he said he was. Or as he, not he said he was, but as he portrayed. And can I just say this? He was. I never saw him. I never heard him. No matter how tense the situation was, no matter what kind of trial he was going through, he was always the same. He reflected the goodness of God. It got my attention. I liked being around him. He made me feel better. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to just share His goodness. It's the goodness of God. Uh, A God who does good things regardless of how bad you or or me or or our sin or our situation or our circumstances may have been. It's, it's, It's that goodness that causes us to repent, to turn from our sins, to change the way we think and to return to God. It's the goodness of God that's what we're called to seek and to show and to share. And that's it. Because it's that one thing that changes people's lives. Listen, the message of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom, really is good news. And people are dying out there, literally, to hear it. And when we share it and when we teach it and we preach it and we show it, the Holy Spirit brings it to life, and He uses it. It's a beautiful message when we, when we reflect it as it is. And when we reflect it in a true way, heaven is attracted to the message. And the reason it, it's attracted is because it was conceived in the heart of a good God. And whenever it's preached in its fullness, the presence and the power of Jesus appear in the fullness of salvation. Jesus comes. He comes. So it has to be proclaimed, and God has called every one of us to proclaim it, each and every one of us to share it. You you may say, well, I just don't know if I can do that. Well, you won't ever do it unless you try it. Okay? If you never try it, you'll never do it. I remember the the very first time uh, we went out. I, went, I was I was going through in my home church. I was going through. Uh, I, I really believe God wanted me to learn how to share my faith. Now, I'm a grown man. I don't know how to share my faith. Okay. So I, I we have a, a evangelism explosion program, and the pastor and another guy. Uh, uh, Brother Ron is in heaven now, but they were taking teams, and so I went out with Brother Ron. Brother Ron's one of those guys, man, if the door cracked, he had his foot in it, and he was telling them how much Jesus loved them. I mean, he's a great guy. And I remember we went a block from the church, and we went to visit a man. I knew him. I'd known him all my life. I'd known his family all my life. I went to high school with his kids. And, and it was my night to share just a little bit. I was getting a little bit at a time, okay? No pressure. And uh, my particular area was man as a sinner. Well, I told this gentleman about five times that man's a sinner. My mind went completely blank. 
I just knew man was a sinner. And he, he's nodding his head. He knows that because he, he's lost as he can be. I left there just crushed. And I'll, I'll never forget Ron saying, man, you, you did a great job. I said, brother, <laughs> which, which house were you in? He said, no, you drove that nail home right there. And that's what he needed to hear. And I realized that I shared all I knew. Over the next few weeks, I learned more, and I learned more, and I learned more. Until eventually, I was at a, at a student retreat with the kids in our church, and I had been asked to speak. Well, I never spoke before. Listen, I didn't, I didn't run for office in school, in high school, because you had to give one speech. And I was terrified of that. And I remember that night, I shared the gospel message as I had learned it in EE. Step by step. And I'm not gonna I'm not I don't I don't I don't say this lightly. That's why I'm standing here today. That's what God used to get me to stop running and surrender my life to ministry. All God's asking you to do is share what you know. I knew what I was sharing was true. And I understood it. And I knew it. And I shared it. And I realized, hey, <laughs> it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I mean, you've ever put off going to the doctor because you thought it was going to be terrible and then you went and it was a piece of cake. <laughs> it's the same with sharing the gospel, okay? It's the shame. We need to share the gospel. We need to seek encounters with God. We need to show others an example of God's goodness. And if we do those things, folks, we will begin to mirror the reality of who God is. We will become a, a reflection, a credible reflection. Here, here's the simple truth, and I'm done. If I believe God is good, and I really believe it, I'll seek encounters, I'll show examples, I'll share the good news. And if I don't, I won't. It's that simple. If I don't believe it, I won't share it. God has called us to be mirrors. But you and I can choose to be mud holes. It's our choice. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.